Hello, and welcome to Talkin' Dirty at the Library, where we'll talk about what's growing here in Athens and Limestone County, Alabama. Each podcast features master gardener experts discussing ways we can cultivate better gardens and better lifestyles through local gardening and Limestone County Extension programs. This is Janice Dill and Lisa Tarpley. We are Master Gardeners in Limestone County and we're here today to talk about the Alabama gardening calendars of April and May. We're going to start with uh, what to do now with fruits and nuts. You can continue planting your strawberries through April, plant raspberries and blackberries, and continue budding your apple and peach trees. And you know, for those gardeners who do have nut trees, now is a good time for fertilization, especially of pecans in this area, because they're pretty heavy feeders. Yes, they are. And long-term feeders, you know, for production. Mm -hmm. Also, um, it's an ideal opportunity to start your spraying program for all of your fruits and continue through the month of May. Yes, ma'am. You want to keep those blooms free of things that get in during the time when the trees are blooming. You want to keep that taken care of, too, because then you won't have any fruit. If you if you don't start now, you won't have fruit at the end of summer. That's true. Next, why don't we talk about shrubs, Lisa? Mm-hmm. Shrubs. I tell you what, do you have any forsythias, Jan? No, I don't. They're beautiful this oh, time of year. I just love them. But, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, I just don't have any blooms on my forsythias. Well, you have to wait till after they finish flowering. And once they finish flowering, then you prune them. Okay. Because if you prune them later in the summer, as they're growing that new growth, you're cutting off all your blooms. All your blooms for for next spring. And one little tidbit I'll add is when forsythias bloom in the spring, it is time to put out your Mm pre-emergent. That's a little gardening tip you guys get for free. That's right. All the weeds are coming along, too. (laughs) Very true. So, this time of year, as Lisa's saying, you prune your spring flowering shrubs right after they flower. It's time to fertilize your azaleas and camellias and rhododendron. Mm -hmm. You know, they make special fertilizers for those because they like a particular type of soil content. So, make sure you get the right thing for them. Gotcha. I understand. Acid versus... Alkaline. Alkaline. That's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's time now to also spray for the scale insects, which are notorious in our area, North Alabama. They are. And some of those are just doing so much damage to our crepe myrtles nowadays, yes. too. Yes, they really are. And there's not a lot of hope for that from what no. I'm hearing. They haven't really found a solution for them. No. Uh, It's also appropriate to spray all of your shrubs with a fungicide as that new growth matures. But ideally, never spray with horticultural oils after the temperature is above 85 degrees because it literally clogs their pores, so so to speak, and they will die. Yeah, they got to be able to breathe. True. Respire, as plants do. Yes. And newly planted shrubs need extra care now and in the coming weeks. If you're going to invest the money in the plant and the planting, then take good care of it that first year, and then it will, honest to God, reward you for the remainder of its life. Mm-hmm. And, and that includes how you want it to be shaped, too. Start while it's small. 
Right. And don't try to force it into a shape once it's matured. And pinch out the tips of new shoots if you want to promote more compact shrubs. You can change, actually, their density by doing so. Let's talk about lawns now. Yes, let's do, because some of them are in just terrible shape, and that includes mine. Uh, Me too. I don't have a lawn. I have a yard. (laughs) That's me. I'm in that same boat. I have a yard, and right now I have no grass. It's all weeds. We are covered up with what some people call spur weed and others call burr weed. Yes. So that goes back to what you were stating earlier about taking care of your pre-emergence. Right. And if you were late in getting your pre-emergent out, well, then you're just going to have to kill it with another type of chemical. A pre-emergent won't work at this right. stage. Right. So you'll have to go back with a broadband. Um, and, and pardon me, what am I trying to say? Uh, broadleaf herbicide. Herbicide. The word is herbicide. <laughs> she put me on the spot there, y'all. I couldn't think either. Okay. Um, it is time to plant new lawns and start them from seed in May. Okay. April is a little iffy in terms of the temperature, so it's better usually to start in May. And and it is for established lawns, it's time to go ahead and get into a routine of mowing every five to ten days. And remember to remove just one-third of the height of the grass each time. Otherwise, what you do, if you cut it too short, you're going to allow room for weed growth and also damage the structure of the plant itself. Yeah, the Bermuda and the Zoysia, they like to be a little taller. Uh, while we're talking about this for early on, as it gets later in the summer, when that type of grass is a little bit taller, that height on it helps to protect it and keep some of the moisture down around the soil. And I hadn't thought about that, but that's a very good point. Um, it also is time to dethatch your lawn if it's thicker than a half inch. Now, not having a lawn, I'm not certain what that means. Dethatching means to take part of it out, but I don't know how that that would be done. I don't, I don't either, but you know what? We have a question and answer uh, segment at the very end of this podcast where you can call and get that information. That sounds awesome. And in terms of your water and fertilization for your lawn... You need to utilize one pound of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet. That is your rule of thumb for lawns. So just write that down if you can't remember it. Uh, Warm season lawns aren't fertilized until they're completely green. And those are, and it's the same amount of fertilizer for the Bermuda, Centipede, St. Augustine, and Zoysia grasses. Well, now, once you've done that fertilization, you've got to remember, don't over-fertilize because that can lead to more problems. You, there's a fine line. There's a nice little balance here. You, you can't give them too much. You've got to give them just the right amount. And that's why measuring it is so important. One thing that we were taught in our Master Gardener training is the Little Red Solo Cup is about one pound. Mm -hmm. And a cup is a pound the world around. There we go. Nice to remember. But remember your little red solo cup. This time of year, it's also noticeable in many, many landscapes that fire ants are alive and well. Mm, Yes, ma'am. I've seen several of those mounds, and we're just about getting to where the daytime temperatures are warm enough to apply that ant bait. Yeah, that's true. It is a bait. I keep thinking of it as a poison, but it's truly a bait. 
because it's meant to kill the queen in the nest. Mm -hmm. But remember always when you're using fertilizers, insecticides, herbicides, whatever, please read the instructions. Please do what they recommend because these are the people who know. Yes. And something to think about, too, a lot of people feel like a little bit more is better, but not necessarily in the case of fertilizers and baits and things like that. It's overkill, and it, it's really wasteful. It creates a lot of runoff that's unneeded and unnecessary. Very true. Okay, let's switch to roses, Lisa. I only have a few roses. I don't have many. And I've been very fortunate, except for deer. Deer love my roses. But let's talk about insects and diseases this time of year. Well, I have a few roses. Uh, mine are mostly older varieties mm-hmm. than instead of the newer varieties. And yes, roses can be susceptible to powdery mildew if you if you have them in the wrong kind of location, just like a lot of other plants around here. And some of the rusts will attack your roses also. You have to watch out for that. So now, again, is a good time just as those fresh leaves are emerging to go ahead and pre-treat for those types of things if you can do so right and 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 make sure you keep an eye out for black spot because that's the big enemy of the roses mm-hmm. and also make sure to deadhead your roses and that way you keep those blooms flush and, and continuing and it's also time to set out your nursery or container grown plants which you just purchased or been given if you're lucky And remember, too, if you have purchased something from a nursery or it's container grown and you're setting it out, that's also going to have some dead growth on it. Just because it came from a nursery doesn't mean that it wasn't a living thing. Go ahead and trim that back if you can see that it's not in the best shape. Don't try to baby it. Just take that part off just like you would if it were something out in the yard already. The roses are the one plant that I can think of that truly benefit from pruning. Yes, they They do. They truly do. And now is also the time to prune your climbing roses after the first big flush of blooms because then you get that repeat performance during the year. Mm -hmm. We're going to go into bulbs next. April is the ideal time for planting your gladiolia and caladiums, gloriosa and milk and wine lilies and ginger plants. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect time to get them out. And you need to apply a super phosphate to the bearded iris and scalp for the iris borer moth caterpillars. On uh, your daffodils, Narcissus varieties, okay, remember don't cut that foliage down once they've stopped blooming. They are still feeding the root with that foliage, so the bulb will lose its potential for next year if it doesn't get enough nutrients from that green foliage. So wait till it starts to brown out before you trim it back. Yes, and I've heard some people say, oh, we'll just tie it in a knot. Don't do that either because you're essentially doing exactly the same thing as if you were cutting those foliage that leave off of the plant. You're not allowing it to feed the bulb, and you won't have a good, nice bloom next year. Very true. And I've seen uh, in a lot of tulips and flowering bulbs the large seed heads that come up once they quit blooming, you know. Mm -hmm. The rule of thumb is do not let them form on your tulips because you are changing the characteristics of that plant if you do so. And not only tulips, but on other spring flowering bulbs as well. When you see that seed pod, that seed head coming up, go ahead and clip it. 
and inspect your daylilies. Yes, now they are emerging nicely. And, of course, by June, they'll be blooming and just be gorgeous. But we want them to look gorgeous and follow that sun every day. We don't want them eaten up by little critters out there. So definitely take a real good look at them. And make sure you look on the bottom side of those leaves also because sometimes those little bugs are hiding away under there. Lisa, let's move on to annuals and perennials. Okay, then. Well, April's a real good time to put out your bedding plants and do other late plantings all the way into May. We still have a little bit of time to do that because they'll have time for producing blooms and just adding their beauty to the landscape. So, Yeah, that's a pretty wide window of opportunity on bedding plants, really. Yes, it, yeah. it, it really is. But now when you go down to the nursery and they've got something half off and it really looks like the plant is half off, Y'all just leave it there. Don't try to baby it back to life because you're going to put too much effort into it and you're not going to really receive the benefit that you're looking for. That's right. Right. It doesn't produce anything like a vegetable. So mm-hmm. speaking of, nice segue, let's go into vegetables mm-hmm. from North, North Alabama only. We're not going to talk about any other part of Alabama. Well, remember now, just because it's so pretty outside today, doesn't mean that it's time to get out there and plant your beans and your cucumbers. It's just still a little bit chilly for those. They like the soil to be a little bit more warm. So wait until late April to plant those beans and cucumbers, melons, uh, southern peas, potato slips, those types of things. That Remember, they want that soil more warm so that the roots will become well-established and the plant can thrive. And we indefinitely we have to wait until that last chance of frost, which oh, yes. is usually mid to late April anyway. For, for our area, it right. certainly is. And now it's um, time that you can go ahead and plant sweet corn and do it each week so that you have a staggered harvest. Yes, because if you've ever planted a huge crop and then try to get all that in at one time, you're working yourself to death, so definitely stagger that. Also, it's a good time for transplanting tomatoes and peppers and eggplant, but again, you really have to watch the weather because these plants, although you can get them out and they can tolerate the ground soil a little yes. cooler, they can really be arrested quickly. Biofrost. So yes, you might want to cloak them or cover them in some way if the weather turns cold. Mm-hmm. If you're planting things like tomatoes from seed, peppers are a little harder because the seed coat is so tough. But tomatoes from seed, you can plant those into May and still wind up with some good fruit off of those later in the year. I don't usually get a bumper crop of peppers. I don't even see my plants really start to flourish until at least the end of May. Yes. They just sit there. They Mm -hmm. just look almost pathetic. But once this heat hits this area, they are in heaven. They absolutely do. They love that heat. That's correct. Also, May is an ideal time to continue your seed planting if you're into vegetable gardening. It's going to be warm enough. You're going to be able to manage it and enjoy it while you can because the heat will hit us soon. The month of June is soon. <laughs> yes, that's that's true. One of the things that you could plant, you know, it was, as we were talking about a staggered corn harvest, beans are something that you can stagger and plant them in through May because then you're not just working yourself to death, but you're getting a good steady harvest throughout the year. And as your plants become older, you can get those older ones out of the way. 
We're going to end this segment with some special notes that we think you as gardeners will benefit from, uh, one of which is to monitor those new plantings and intercept issues before they become problems. That is so important in gardening. It's very important. And when she says monitor, y'all, she doesn't mean just walk out there and look at it. That means you got to really take a hand in what you're doing. Make sure that it has plenty of adequate water because those roots are not yet established. And, you know, we're planting something early in the year and we've got the hot summer coming on. You most definitely want to make sure that it has an adequate root system by the time summer gets here so that it can survive. You spent money on this gorgeous thing. You don't want to lose it. And by mulching these new plantings, you also help to conserve that water so it doesn't take so much. Mm -hmm. Mulch is very, very important. A lot of people say, you know, I don't need that. But you've got to remember that it's important to the plant. It helps to keep those roots in the proper condition. It is important to the plant. And not only does it conserve water, but it helps to keep, during the times when we have a rainy season, a rainy period, it helps to keep anything that may be on that soil surrounding it from splashing up onto the bottom of the plant. And that doesn't just include your vegetables. That includes things like a brand new shrub that you've planted out in the yard. Landscaping plants, absolutely. Oftentimes, it's a way of transmitting disease. Yes. You know? Also, we talk about this with grasses and lawns a lot, but I think it's important also for all plants. If you want to establish healthy root systems in your plants, which in the long term save you so much time, you have to prevent them from drying out, so water them deeply. It is better to water deeply than often. Yes. That's true. If you're watering it deeply, that water moves down into the soil and the roots will follow it. If you just splash a little water on top, those roots have to literally come upwards to that water to get it. And that's bad for the roots, bad for the plant. Exactly. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Lisa? Well, the only thing that I could think of today is y'all don't forget that we have a Master Gardener's Helpline and you can contact them with any questions that you have. The number is 877-252-4769. And there's always somebody there that'll take your call and if they don't have the answer, they'll certainly get back with you. Thank you. You've been listening to Talking Dirty at the Library, a podcast produced by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library in cooperation with the Limestone County Extension Office and Master Gardener Program. Join us next time to see where we're growing. And to hear other recordings from our Library Voices podcast series, please visit the library website at alcpl.org. Library Voices is also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.